Hello, this is Ken, your podcast preacher, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strength Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. I hope and pray that you exude Christ-like greatness, so much so that an e-Bible breaks out in any and all that you set out to do today in the name of Jesus. And yes, for those of you that have been my super loyal, I want to be like Christ in every way listeners. And after completing my 205th podcast message, I have decided to change up my podcast intro and introduce myself as a podcast preacher. I also included a little prayer as I want you to truly experience what it is like to enter into the God space in your lifetime on this spinning rock. The title of this message is Get Off Your High Horse. This is a multi-episode series in which this is episode one of five. I look at some of these titles and wonder who was the first person to have ever said this. I mean, was he or she looking at someone who was on a tall horse and simply stated as a gesture of inviting them into their mud hut as they turned and walked away? Hey, well then, get off your high horse and come on in. Or did it really originate as a sarcastic response when dealing with someone who thought they were a couple of notches above the crowd? Let's see how I used it. And I hope you still love me when ye be done giving an ear. Warning, this message is for authentic born-again believers, regardless of where you are at in your walk with God. If you non-believers want to place a glass on the wall, so be it. But you should know before I begin that even believers have issues and say stupid things that defy spiritual logic and reason. If we correct in love and accuracy of truth, perhaps we will grow together, working in unity after all, one mind, one heart, one spirit, in one accord, and serving in love produces a fruit of the Spirit. Now some history before we reveal some mystery. In July 2021, God released me to start this teaching ministry. As people, some random, were telling me it's time. I couldn't help but to think about my last effort on stage whereby I prepared to give a message with seven other gentlemen in seven minutes. We called it Seven on Seven. Now to give you an idea as to how I was feeling, I had prepared my notes, which was about 40 pages. Now put yourself in front of a church with some who were actually called to the office of pastor, knowing that you had to go through 40 pages of notes in seven minutes. The outcome was predetermined. My confidence was destroyed. I did not know where to go once I stood to do my part. So I did what any self-respecting idiot who prepared a 40-page document for a seven-minute preach would do. I started reading off my notes and then started down the rabbit trail, which was the reason why we never found the rabbit. The message was as bad as it could get. I don't mean dry or insignificant. I mean, it was really a mess. I wasn't working in my calling or my gifting. Back in junior high, I would have the same issues when having to prepare a presentation so that I could give a speech up in front of the class. Red was an understatement, and I mean me turning red. And thankfully, my peers were not shy about pointing out that I was melting right in front of them. It is best described as a paralyzing fear, which I hated, and then hated myself for not being able to get past it. It also made me very popular in schools. No one wanted to hang out with insecurity. I was consistently embarrassed about getting embarrassed. High school was even worse. Five and a half decades later, God says, now teach. What? I'm 60 years old. So, so of course he says, what has that got to do with anything? Moses started when he was 80 years old. Would you like to wait? This is when I started typing, and I haven't stopped typing as of today, September 2nd, 2022. Once I was released, I had been behind ever since. I cannot type up the messages fast enough to get caught up with them. I asked him, that is God, 
if he slept through my last message. He did say yes, but he was sure that I would do better now. Listen, if you don't have humor in your relationship with God, you will miss some of his best knock-knock jokes. Besides, where do you think I get it? Like father, like son, right? Now, I'm not just sharing my testimony with regard to blubbering in front of the class or in front of the church, but encouraging those of you with similar backgrounds to hope in God's timing as you may not be ready now. But when your time comes, you will be made ready. Moses was a bit nervous too. So now it looks like I'm on my way to another 40-page message. But so I will try to get to it. This title is sure to keep some who really need to hear this message from staying tuned in to listen to it. But as I've explained before, it is how God sometimes gets me started on a message. Title, then body a message. I believe we are going on to chatting about how we should be treating one another while simultaneously growing and maturing in the Lord. It has been my experience that Christians can sometimes be the most difficult people to get along with. You know, to let us off the right end of the hook. I think we carry some fear about us, which is that if we allow someone too close, they might finagle us out of what we currently believe about God. Now that's not really saying much about the strength of your relationship with God, if you're always afraid that someone's going to talk you out of what you currently believe. But this is part of learning and growing. Some of what you believe is off. Some of what I believe is off. And as we grow and mature, we begin to let some of those things go so that we can grow. Nobody has it all figured out. Now sometimes we need them to do just that. But not so much out of trickery, but out of an authentic concern for our growth and well-being. Other times they'd be sent by God. And if you are not aware that sometimes the iron sharpening iron doesn't come from two people with a mutual interest in God, it can come from those with opposing views. Yes, from your very enemy. Now I know it's very boring for kids to be hanging around adults, listening in on their grown-up talk with a befuddled, baffolite look on their faces. Chores for a week would have been an acceptable deliverance from our adultish conversational misery. I think it is possible that the same thing is true between spiritual kids and spiritual parents. That is, two Christians in different places. Now, I'm not talking about being around those who think they know something of God, but clearly by the expression of their lives, they know nothing of Him. Nope, even the spiritual parents digress to the chore mentality for deliverance. Now, I also take umbrage with the fact that we spend so much time in opposition to one another, especially if we attend different addresses. Really, I just wanted to use the word umbrage once in my life. But no, I sincerely believe we spent too much time disputing about things that Paul told us not to dispute about. Philippians 2, 14, 16. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Romans 14.1 Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. So how are we to act towards one another? Should we be on the attack mode because of our ignorant differences in God? How is it that we come to the thinking that we alone will be the only ones in heaven, along with the rest of our denominational friends, of course? Well, of those that think like we do. Do you know that you are as stupid as God allows you to be? Think about this statement before coming to any kind of conclusion. Proverbs 12.1 
Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Now think about your responses when you're corrected. If God does not give you revelation or the same revelation about what he is saying, does that not make you stupid when you think that you have it? Is it not true that you are only given what you can handle? Getting revelation comes with a price. At least you get puffed up. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Least I be exalted above measure. So what is it, Ken? Should I know something or not? And from whom should I be receiving from? Yes, you should ever be increasing in the knowledge of God by way of revelation. When I say this, I am seeing myself as a teacher, pulling on the cord of the church, like a mower engine trying to get it started. Now from whom you should be receiving from is not as easy to address because of the fivefold ministers and Christian leaders who can speak of the things of God. But surely he has given us teachers for a purpose. Test every spirit must be helpful in receiving training and teaching, right? 1 John 4.1 Now one of the ways I assess teaching is to see if I can find scriptural support or a similarity of theme. You see, in John it states something that keeps me from believing that I can only believe in the Bible, and that if the specific point or issue taught is not in the Bible, then I must throw it out. John 20, 30, 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John 21, 25. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Now, even if these men were prone to exaggeration, I don't think they were exaggerating. Should the teaching line up? Yes. How do you think cults are started? Yes, by the devil, but also it is believed, or rather the bait is taken, because of an ignorance of God and who he is. You have heard me say this before, and that is that you've got to get the word in you as much as possible. And along with it, you must apply it, listen to it, follow it as much as possible. Satan used the word against the word. Matthew 4, 1, 11, John 1, 1, and 5, 7, Revelation 19, 13. So here we see its power, and we see how it can be used as a weapon in the hands of Satan or of God. And of you, of course. How you use, understand, and utilize the word determines who you are serving and the power of your ministry. Well, that's it for today. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, steal, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.